Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the New Work Revolution podcast. This is your host, Brandon Allen, and I'm excited about today's show. So I was recently talking with a client and we were talking about having a tough conversation with a particular employee. Now, this employee's been someone who's been on their team for a long time, and I could tell that the business owner really had some concern about how they were going to approach the conversation with the employee. Confrontation is typically not something that this person has done in the past. They're not comfortable doing it. They're they're not sure that this employee is the kind of employee that receives good feedback, and we'll certainly talk about that in future episodes. And as I was breaking down my approach, she just really wanted a template and and some help on how do I approach this individual? How do I approach this particular situation with this employee? And as I was breaking this down and writing out all these notes, I realized that it's been a while since I've talked about confrontation and and I've talked about it in, in different ways, but it's been a while since I've really broken down my system or my approach for handling tough conversations and situations uh, in a healthy manner. And I was reminded of this recently. I had a partner that I do some work with on projects who uh, did something that I didn't particularly love and did it in a way that I felt like uh, there was really a lack of communication. And it really put me in a tough spot in a couple of different areas. It put me in a tough spot financially. Uh, as I had to bear the burden of uh, this issue uh, financially, but it also put me in a a tough position with my own time. And so I was really concerned about that. Now, I think typically how we handle situations is that we typically stuff them or it's like, hey, we don't want to rock the boat or we don't want to upset people. We don't want to make a big deal out of things. We question whether or not we're even worth... uh, you know, fighting for our own our own person. But I just decided, listen, uh, I, I preach this stuff all the time and I talk about it all the time. I need to make sure that I'm living it as well. So I gave this person a call and and talked with them about the situation and my concerns. And and the reality was is it was a, a very productive 10 to 15 minute conversation that didn't get emotional, that uh, didn't turn into he said, she said, blaming any of those issues. And we were able to come to an understanding, maybe not a resolution that I wanted, but an understanding that maybe doesn't help me today, but it helps me in the future. So as we talk about confrontation, there's a lot of different reasons why we want to do this. And I've talked in the past about what I call gutless leaders, those leaders who just avoid confrontation and tough conversations at all costs, hoping that the problem will either fix itself and it never does, or that the problem will just go away. And even if it does, another problem is going to arise in its place, and that's going to be something that we don't confront or address. So I think it's really important. If we want to have a healthy organization, we have to learn how to have these tough conversations and the way that we need to have these tough conversations. And so I want to really walk through this process today of how we do that. Now, I'm not going to, I want to make sure that what we talk about is very specific, actionable, and that it's not 
too much information at one time. I'm going to break this up probably into five or six episodes so that we really have time to get into this and, and really do it right. So today, we're just going to talk about step one in the confrontation cycle. And that step is to really fight for your team and to be supportive. Now, the reason why we want to come from a place of support when, when we're talking about confrontation is that it's really about what is your motivation for confrontation. If I'm, if I'm confronting someone about their behavior, it's typically, it's typically because it's someone that I care about or it's someone that's important to me. So regardless of which one that is, we want to make sure that we restore or maintain a healthy working relationship going forward. And this is why if you go into a situation, guns blazing, you know, telling someone, hey, you know, good POS, uh, you know, you do this or else, we have, we're, we're risking damaging that relationship irreparably. So the first step to confrontation really is my own attitude. And this is where I've got to check my ego and make sure that my ego isn't in the way of having a productive conversation because it's really easy when things go sideways in a relationship, to start thinking about ourselves and our, our own ego and think, how could this person do this to me? How dare this person do this to me? Do they know who they're dealing with? Do you know who you're talking to? Uh, that's kind of this, the, the, uh, the, the mindset that comes up for us. And so we want to make sure that we're respected, right? Like I want to get my respect. And I need to make sure that no one's disrespecting me, or as we used to say in the 80s, uh, in hip-hop circles, I don't want someone to diss me. Okay, so there you go. I just gave you a hip-hop reference, and I dated myself at the same time. You're welcome. So when we talk about being supportive, we've got to come from that mindset of, this is this is really the, the this is the overarching theme of this whole thing. So make sure you write this down. The whole idea is I'm on your side. I'm on your side. So as we talk about this, as I say something that you may not love, that you may not appreciate in the moment, understand that I'm on your side. Now, why is this important? There's been a lot of research done in this particular area. This has been uh, training that I've presented to companies and different organizations. And it comes from the Neuro Leadership Institute with Dr. David Rock. And Dr. David Rock came up with an acronym. And I, I don't always love acronyms because I feel like sometimes it takes away from the, the meat of the content. And I don't know that this one is any different because uh, the acronym is SCARF. And you've probably heard me talk about this in the past. But SCARF is about status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. Those are five things that we want to create in an organization for employees to allow that person to stay in a reward status. The opposite of putting them in a reward status is to put them in fight or flight. And I don't want to put someone in fight or flight when I'm confronting their behavior. If I put them in flight... They're going, to be, they're going to withdraw. Now, I'm going to have a whole episode that's dedicated to confront, what I call confrontation ninjas and how people try to deflect the situation off of themselves onto another focus point so that you don't confront that person specifically. And we're going to get into that. But flight is all about shutting down. Uh, being overly agreeable about a situation, but not really offering any context 
as to why you're agreeing. I've done this in the past. Uh, when I worked in the corporate world, I had bosses sometimes where I just nodded my head and said, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I'm a total piece of crap. Couldn't agree more. I let the whole team down. But in the back of my, my mind, I'm like, this guy's an asshole. I just want him to stop talking. That was really my, my thought process. Or fight is when you get aggressive. You start to yell. You start to uh, defend yourself. You start to get defensive about the things that you're hearing. The problem is, is once people get in fight or flight, they no longer can utilize all their full cognitive capabilities. So their prefrontal cortex literally shuts down. So when you get super pissed at someone and you say something and you're later like you play it back and you're like, why the hell did I say that to that person? That was so stupid. Like I, I knew that nothing good was going to come from that, but it's because you couldn't think more reasonably about the situation. When we get into fight or flight, it kills our ability to have that real rational thought in that moment. So we want to avoid that. Not only do we want to avoid it personally, but we also want to avoid putting our employees or someone else in that status as we, uh, as we talk about that because we want to maintain uh, a, a productive conversation throughout this whole thing. So we've got to look at confrontation as a good thing. And I think the context around this has become, it becomes confrontation is bad. So we shouldn't confront our spouse. We shouldn't confront our children. We shouldn't confront our employees. We shouldn't confront that business partner that continues to say one thing and do another. Um, we, we don't do that because we feel like confrontation is bad and nothing good comes from confrontation. I flipped the context on confrontation that the only way that things are going to move forward in a powerful way is if I talk candidly about what my expectations are and how someone else may not be meeting my expectations. Now look, my expectations are my problem sometimes. So if, if I have a problem with my own expectations, the only one who can address that is myself. Someone else isn't going to come up to me and say, hey, Brandon, I perceive that you have an expectation around this. I would like to help you address that so that we can move forward. You can hold your breath waiting for that to happen, but you'll probably die. So I don't want you to do that. I want you to make sure that if you have expectations, that you talk about those expectations so that you can get on the same page. And, and the only way to do that is to look at confrontation as a powerful way to solve problems and get on the same page so that we can work together. One of the pillars of what we do at New Work Revolution Coaching is uh, create uh, less friction around people. We want to have people movement. We want to create leaders who are people movers. You can't be a people mover if you are a terrible confronter or if you're someone who avoids powerful communication. You can't be a good people mover if you lack the ability to do those things. That's one of the things that we want to teach. So what does being supportive look like? How do we come from a place of support? And again, I talked about SCARF, but we have to lay the groundwork for support to happen. So one of the tenets of SCARF is um, the R, which is relatedness. And relatedness is all about, are you a friend to me or are you a foe to me? Now, if you're a friend to me, your confrontation and your feedback is going to be a lot better received. And the reason why it's going to be better received is because I care about your opinion. But if you're a foe to me and you give me uh, feedback and I don't want to hear it, 
I don't really give a shit about your feedback at that point. Your feedback is not welcome. This is why the, the helpful lady who wants to help me parent my children at the grocery store doesn't really get far in that conversation with me when she wants to tell me how I should parent my own children. It doesn't work, right? I say, hey, uh, thank you for your feedback. With all due respect, worry about yourself. Thank you, right? That's not a powerful conversation that's going to be had. So we want to make sure that we connect. Uh, that connection is so important. If I don't have that rapport with you, it's not going to happen. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to do in the connection process. So one of the things I want to do is I want to understand people. So uh, in Proverbs uh, chapter 20, verse 5, it says, The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. One who has insight draws them out. And what I want to do is I want to understand what's at the heart of every single person that works with me. That doesn't mean that we're going to be friends. That doesn't mean that we're going to, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're going to spend all this time together and and hold hands and go get cotton candy. We're not doing any of that stuff. But what it does mean is I want to know what makes you tick. Why are you here? What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your fears? What are your failures? I want to know those things because I can now help to move you forward. If I understand that, this requires building rapport and building a relationship. Now, one of the worst pieces of advice that I ever got as a new leader was don't become friends with your employees. Now, I'm not saying that you should be friends with your employees, but what it caused me to do is hold employees out away from me. I, 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 I held them out at an arm's length. I never got to know them at more than a professional level. But the problem with that is, is people are motivated by things in their personal life. Their professional motivators exist, but their personal motivators are way more powerful. I do this for my wife. I do this for my kids. I do this for the home I'm trying to buy. I'm trying to do this for my dream car, my dream vacation, my retirement. Whatever it is, people are motivated by things that work provides them. Work provides them an outlet for those things. It doesn't provide the end-all be-all. So I need to understand those. And when I held my employees out at arm's length, I didn't take the time to really get to know them at a deeper level. I just didn't do it. And therefore, my employees and I didn't have a good relationship. When I confronted their behavior, they did not receive it well. And I was an ineffective leader who couldn't move people towards success because I didn't know how to motivate them. So if you're not connecting with people, and this is one of the things that I do in coaching, probably one of the most powerful tools and exercises that I do within coaching is the Strengths Builder exercise. And if you're listening to this and you're a client, you understand it, but it's all about finding out what people's weaknesses, strengths, what motivates them to be there, what are their goals, what are their personal goals, what do they want to, where do they want to grow in their life, all these things happen through the Strengths Builder tool. These allow me to understand what motivates someone because at the in the end, part of being supportive is helping people achieve their goals. So at work, this is so counterintuitive for people, but we expect people to go to work and work for our goals. The reality is, is people go to work for their goals. 
And what I want to know is what are your goals and how do I help you get there? Now, what I hope is this. I hope that my employees' goals are somewhat aligned with my goals so that we're at least moving in somewhat the right direction. Now, if an employee tells me, obviously, in an extreme case, that their goal was to sit on uh, the couch all day and binge on Netflix, that is an employee that is not congruent with the mission and vision of what I'm trying to accomplish, and therefore, they're just not a fit anyway. But I'm looking for people who have goals and aspirations that I can fulfill, that I can help move them towards, and if I'm going to have this powerful, supportive conversation, I've got to know what those things are. What drives that person? What are their goals? What are they trying to accomplish? And why do they work here? If you don't have that information going into this confrontational situation where you're going to point out feedback and behavior, you're flying blind. Because what you're trying to do is motivate them based on either you might try fear, you might try worry, you might try uh, the fact that they're letting their team down and the organization down. But if I don't understand if they even care about those things, it's going to be hard for me to use those as motivators. And I've had situations where people have uh, tried uh, ill-applied motivators with me in the past where I've looked at that person and said, man, you really missed the mark on trying to motivate me there. That's not going to work. That's not a motivator for me personally. So think about what motivates that person as you go into this situation. What are they What are they there for? What are they trying to get out of the situation? What are their goals? Now, as we approach the supportive framework, I may say something like this. Let's say that our employee's name is John. I may say, hey, John, um, hey, really appreciate you working here. You've been here for 15 plus years. You've always done a real solid job, but hey, I wanted to talk to you about a specific situation that I felt like was very atypical of how you typically show up. And I just wanted to get to the heart of what happened so that we can move forward and, and make sure that the area that, uh, that this concern is around uh, gets handled in an appropriate way, not only for me, but just for the organization and for our customers. So if you can see what I did there, look, I, I, I address John in a way that says, look, man, I appreciate your body of work. You've always been a great employee, but there's a specific situation here that I'm not really sure how to interpret or how to understand. So I want to make sure that I am uh, understanding the situation appropriately. Now, here's some things that I didn't do in this situation. I didn't blame John for problems. I didn't say, hey, John, I wanted to talk to you about some things that you really screwed up on. Or, hey, John, uh, <clears throat> there were some things that, that went on here that I just can't have, right? And we kind of hear those types of things, and that's a little aggressive. I mean, there might be situations where that's warranted, but I think in, in the typical uh, confrontational situation or, or, or addressing behavior situation, we would want to use a more open-ended, inquisitive approach here because the reality is, is I don't know the whole story. And the only reason I'm going to know the whole story is if I talk to people and ask good questions. And that's really my job at this phase is to really uncover and understand where someone's at and what happened. So this is the part where I really want to do that. Now, I also said something that I want you to pick up on as well in that I said, hey, John's behavior is atypical. Hey, you don't normally behave like this. Now, what does the opposite look like? And I've literally seen people confront employees like this. I've seen them confront their kids like this. I've seen them confront their spouse like this, where they say, John, you're always screwing up. John, you never take care of the kids. John, 
You never show appreciation for me. John, you're always letting the family down. Now, if I'm John, first of all, my life sounds pretty shitty, doesn't it? Um, I'm screwing up in all these areas. But in all seriousness, the problem for John is it's like, holy cow, man, you've just destroyed my confidence as a human being. You've just told me that I'm not showing up in all these different areas. Now, look, I can ignore that and say, hey, your feedback is irrelevant and I'm not worried about that. I'm going to do me. But in the reality, if we care about people and we want to take care of them, uh, especially if it's people we care about, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that feedback. In fact, at work, most people take a high level of pride in their work, even though sometimes it appears that our employees don't take a lot of pride in their work. The reality is, is that they do. And when they don't perform it at, their, at our expectation, they're probably not meeting their own expectation and they're probably embarrassed about it. So how do we soften that a little bit and encourage them rather than saying, oh my God, you're always screwing up. And hey, when there's smoke, I know there's John uh, you know, with a fire that he's created uh, because he sucks so bad at his job. I don't want to approach employees like that. I don't want to destroy their confidence. I want to build their confidence. I want to speak of them as a high-level individual, even if they're not a high-level individual performance-wise today. Because what I'm trying to do is get them from the point that they're at now to the next level. And in the end, what it's about, it's, it's about growth. It's about providing the opportunity for growth. And the way I open this conversation is going to go a long ways to promoting that growth because I'm going to do it through confidence, letting people know that, hey, you are capable, you're good enough, um, we just have a little blip in the road, let's address it, let's figure out what happened, and let's figure out how we can move forward. And look, how many times have we jumped to conclusions in this situation only to feel like an ass when we realize later that we were wrong? That's happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to you, and that's a terrible spot to be in, like, oh, um, I thought you were guilty of this. Now I realize that you're not. Now I feel like a jerk for even insinuating that this was your fault. So I want you to think today about how you're building relationships, how you're connecting, what kind of rapport you have with the people that you work with. Um, how can you do a better job? And, and one of the things that I mentioned here, and I, I kind of skipped this and I, I wish I had, so I'm going to go back to this right now, is uh, scarf. Uh, the S is for status. And when I confront John in a positive way, I've maintained his status level. I haven't diminished his status. And people want to make sure that their status is maintained throughout those types of conversations. Again, that keeps them in a reward status. It keeps them in a positive frame of mind so that we can get to the root of issues and solve real problems. So as you're thinking about this, again, I'll go back to the whole building rapport, understanding goals, what motivates your team, what's at the heart of behavior that you see? How do we get to the heart of it? Because at the heart is really something else that we never understood or saw coming that we need to be open to throughout this conversation. So think about how you confront. Number one, what is your philosophy on confronting behavior? Are you doing this in a positive way? Are you doing this in a way that allows for uh, you to address things in a, not only a positive way, but a timely way? Is that your philosophy? Are you doing that? But then how can you do a better job of connecting and then 
utilizing that opening statement of being supportive and fighting for your team so that you can get to the real heart of issues that come out. And in the end, the whole theme here, if you get nothing else, is to let someone know that you know that we care about, that we're going to have this confrontational conversation with, that I'm on your side. If they don't walk away understanding and knowing that you're on their side, you have failed in that conversation. So that's part one for the series. If you thought this was helpful, if you know someone else who would benefit from this information, hey, do me a favor, share it with them, share it on social media, rate it on iTunes, all of that stuff is highly appreciated and I approve of that behavior. So again, hey, I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, I'm excited about this series. I've got some great stuff coming out. Make sure you tell your friends about it. Make sure you tune in for upcoming episodes. Again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. This is Brandon Allen from the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. I'm signing off. Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.